Hello and welcome to another Wednesday edition of Sacktown Talks. Today we got a special guest with us today, Tom Sheehy from Sheehy Strategies to talk a little AB5 and catch us up on what the latest dealings are with AB5 and all the excitement. Tom, welcome to the program and thanks for joining us. How's it going? Hey, Jared, it's going good. Thanks a lot for having me uh, down here again this afternoon. It's great to talk with you and talk with the listeners of this program. Hey, no worries. No worries. This is always a, a big hot button item, you know, with the uh, proposition coming up with Uber and Lyft. Uh, you know, kind of the showdown of tech versus labor uh, and kind of, you know, you know, this is one of your bailiwicks. You're probably one of the experts in this area. Uh, can you give us a, kind of a little background on on AB5, kind of where it came from and, you know, uh, you know, what, what's it all about? What is AB5? Sure. So thanks for asking, Jarrett. Um, this uh, AB5 uh, labor issue really started a couple years ago in the summer of 2018 when the California Supreme Court um, issued a decision known as the Dynamics Decision. Some people refer to it as Dynamex, but I think the right. pronunciation is Dynamics. And um, Dynamics was a company that was blatantly uh, abusing the independent contractor uh, employee uh, classifications. And in the Dynamex Decision, um, the Supreme Court came up with a test, an ABC test, a three-part test uh, to determine whether or not folks working for you uh, could lawfully work as an independent contractor. Um, the original ruling in the summer of 2018 only applied to Industrial Welfare Commission wage orders. So it covered things like uh, uh, the payment of minimum wage, um, the uh, working overtime, overtime compensation, 40-hour work week, those types of things. It did not include the rest of the labor code uh, which deals, of course, with, you know, collecting payroll taxes, unemployment insurance, uh, the need for workers' comp, paid sick leave, and all the, all the types of benefits that we associate with a W-2 employee. So Lorena Gonzalez, who, who your listeners know, of course, uh, she chairs the Assembly Appropriations Committee, and she's from the San Diego County area of the state. She introduced legislation in uh, January of 2019, so the following January, um, uh, AB5, and uh, most of your listeners, of course, are familiar with AB5. That's what we're talking about. That bill was sponsored by the California Labor Federation. And what AB5 did is it did two things, really. It codified the uh, uh, dynamics decision from the summer of 2018, put it into statute. But at the same time, and perhaps more controversially, more controversial, I should say, is it expanded the uh, dynamics ruling uh, to cover all of the labor code as well. So this now brought in um, unemployment insurance, paid sick leave, the collection of payroll taxes, workers' comp, all of the various things that I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, so that bill got everybody's attention here in Sacramento because it, it was going to really have a major impact um, on the state's economy right. and on employers here. And then, um, you know, that brings us forward to this year. If you want to talk a little bit about what happened this year, AB5, of course, was passed and the governor signed yeah, it right yeah. away. Yeah, let's, 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 I guess, kind of take a step back. So yeah. prior to this court decision, I guess, what was the rule of the land? Like, what distinguished what an independent contractor was and an employee? Thanks for asking. So, so before the uh, 2018 decision, uh, dynamics, uh, the labor laws were, employee classification was covered by uh, the Borello test. And Borello was another case that made it all the way to the Supreme Court. The Borello test is uh, has 11 moving parts to it rather than just three, and has generally been deemed to be more uh, flexible than the ABC test. The big problem with the ABC test is the middle prong. I mean, the first one says 
in the ABC test, it says if you're an independent contractor, you have to be able to work independently uh, of the of the entity employing you. They can't right. dictate what time you come to work or how many hours a day you work or what tools you use. Um, the 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 third prong uh, says that, or the C prong says that uh, this is an activity that you're customarily engaged in. So it's not much of a problem with the A or C part of the test. It's the B prong um, that says that as an independent contractor, the services that you provide must be outside of the scope of the regular work of the entity hiring hiring you. And that's what's caused so much problem. So under the Borello test, which you asked about, Jarrett, it was more flexible and it didn't have this um, this B prong problem that uh, the ABC test has. And this is what's caused all the concern, uh, you know, in the California economy. I, I guess my, my next question was, I think you kind of partially answered that in, in your first part was, I never understood as if the California Supreme Court came out and they have these, I guess, these two tests, why was it necessary to codify uh, the dynamics decision? Well, you know, it wasn't. Um, it if you talk with different uh, lawyers, different lobbyists, different members of the legislature, you'll get different answers. I mean, the dynamics decision was a fairly narrow decision. And the business community could have taken the position, the business community in California could have taken the position of simply litigating uh, every matter uh, where it was being challenged. Uh, but instead, what the sort of general business community did in Sacramento is they, they rallied around AB5 and they started working with Lorena Gonzalez seeking carve-outs. Right. And by carve-outs, what we mean is you're still subject to employee classification laws, but now you're working under the Borello test rather than the ABC test with that difficult B prong. And, and, and in the original bill, there were a number of entities that got carve-outs. I mean, you got... Uh, insurance agents and the insurance agency, real estate agents, doctors, other professionals got these carve outs. Uh, but there was a long list of entities that were being impacted by the ABC test that didn't get those carve outs, which is why we had more legislation. Yeah. This year. So like, as I recall, the, the end of the year happens, you know, AB5 passes, it's signed into law, the end of the year happens, and all of a sudden Twitter explodes. And we're seeing all these journalists uh, just panicking, freelancers panicking, because uh, they're you know lo you know losing their jobs, and we just you know are seeing all this kind of panic on Twitter. Um, I guess can you kind of tell us about like who got these carve outs and who didn't, and kind of who was really affected? I guess this year in coming back and, and needing to see carve outs. So quite a bit happened this year um, as a result of AB five being signed into law and all of the activity that happened over um, the fall and the winter, or I should say the fall of uh, of twenty nineteen. There were over 40 bills uh, that were introduced uh, in January and February in the legislature. Uh, probably about 30 of those were introduced in the Assembly, and about 10 of those bills were introduced in the Senate, mostly by Republicans. There were a handful of Democrats, including the original AB5 author, Lorena Gonzalez. All of those bills were targeting uh, different elements of the state's economy, different types of jobs, like everything from athletic coaches to recording artists to address problems that the ABC test was creating. Um, I had a client, I, I was successful in getting uh, a client uh, some amendments at AB5 when that bill was actually moving through the legislature. And some labor lawyers noticed that and started working more closely with me. And as a result of that, um, I had another client uh, this year. Uh, they were, these were um, sign language interpreters and real-time captioners that worked with the deaf and hard of hearing community. They had the same problem that many others had in that in the sign language world and the real-time captioning world working with the deaf, there's been a long history, custom and practice of these folks providing those services as independent contractors. And there are a lot of other 
professions in the state that had the same problem. Um, the music industry particularly was having this problem. When I was on here in January talking with your predecessor, I made the comment that AB5 could kill the live music industry because if I was a band leader and I needed to hire a saxophone player for a gig, and one gig, I'd have to make him an employee under AB5. So there were a lot of problems like this. And um, so all of these bills were introduced as one-offs to try to solve these problems. It's no surprise to you, Jared, as an experienced advocate, that every single Republican bill uh, failed to either get a <laughs> hearing or failed to pass. And when the dust settled, we were really left with just two authors, and that was Lorena Gonzalez and Senator Jerry Hill. Well, I think Kevin Kiley added a lot of Twitter followers off his efforts, uh, <laughs> nonetheless. Well, Kevin, uh, Kevin definitely motivated people, but it didn't do much. Right, right. Um, so I guess, you know, as the dust settled, you know, here we are in, in September, uh, legislature shut down, bills are on governor's desk. You know, what, what bills made it uh, to the governor's desk this year on, on this topic? Well, there was one particular entry that I think would, might be interesting to the listeners. You know, by the time we got to uh, May, uh, most of the, it was clear that most of the bills that were introduced by Republicans in the Senate and the Assembly, as I said, either we're going to get a hearing or we're going to pass. But many of us, including myself, on behalf of my client, the language access professionals, we were, we were eyeing SB 900. Uh, Jerry Hill, who was, of course, uh, has chaired the uh, Labor Committee in the Senate for some time, was viewed as an author who might be easier to work with on some of these issues uh, than Assemblywoman Gonzalez. I'm not sure that ultimately ended up being true, but he was viewed that way. And so a lot of folks, myself included, were working uh, with the Senate Labor Committee, the consultants, and with Senator Hill. Um, in a pretty strong power play, Senator Hill was not able to get his own bill out of the Labor Committee, which he chairs. He's wow. the chairman of that committee. You don't see that often. You know, in my 20 years of doing this, I've only seen that happen three or four times. So it's very rare that the chairman of a committee can't get his or her bill out. In this case, it's simply because the California Labor Federation and other elements of organized labor made it clear that they did not want to see that bill proceed. And so Senator Hill realized before the hearing he didn't have the votes. And so he pulled that bill. When that happened, um, I thought, well, OK, so we're going to work more closely with Lorena. And so that's what I did. And, and I will tell you that, um, you know, she's had a lot of criticism, particularly in social media. But I found her and her staff to be very receptive uh, to the arguments, that, the policy arguments that I made. And they were uh, perfectly willing to hear my client and, and me out and to uh, analyze and review our language. And in the end, um, Lorena Gonzalez agreed to take a number of amendments, uh, particularly in the referral agency section, of AB 2257. There was one other twist in all of this that your listeners might want to know about. Uh, Ms. Gonzalez introduced two bills this year. It was AB 1850 and AB 2257. Right. Both of those bills uh, passed to the Senate. 1850 was a more comprehensive cleanup bill in a way to AB 5, and 2257 was more specifically targeted at musicians, the recording industry, removing the cap on periodical submissions, and so on. And 2257 had an urgency clause in it, while 1850 didn't. In the end, 1850 was amended into 2257 because, as you know, Jared, there were so many bills that got waylaid as a result of COVID. They didn't have the time or the bandwidth to deal with two vehicles. And so um, the contents of those two bills were combined in the Senate Labor Committee. And 2257 ultimately was passed um, almost unanimously, even though many legislators still don't uh, aren't in love with this law, they realized that 2257 was going to do a lot of good. 
I'm very grateful uh, to Assemblywoman Gonzalez that she worked with my client and me, and we got the amendments that we needed in the referral agency section of that bill. And I'll, and the governor signed that bill on September 4th. So, um, you yeah, know, as, as we know, because Willie Brown was able to write his column. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yes, the, the long arm or the long shadow Willie Brown is still cast over the state capitol. <laughs> so, but I will tell you that, you know, I think that there's been a lot of um, improvements uh, to the law since it was originally signed last year. But I think there's more work to do. And I think we're going to see uh, more le legislation in the labor area next year dealing with this issue. I think there are still uh, companies out there and some industries out there that haven't fully digested the impact of AB5 on their operations. And I think as they do that or as they get audits from the EDD uh, and get assessed and, and so on, I think we're going to see still more requests for further refinements to this law. I think that's definitely coming at us. Um, you know, I guess one of the things that maybe you can help us understand, and maybe a lot of people don't, you know, know this out there because maybe many people are employees or don't run businesses. You know, what's the big deal about classifying someone as an employee rather than an independent contractor? So, so that's great. So that that's really a, a threshold question on this whole issue. The the genesis of of um, of course the Dynamics decision and and Lorena Gonzalez's decision to introduce AB five is to make sure that um, workers, and, and this probably impacts more lower wage workers than higher wage workers, to make sure that they're not taken advantage of and, um, and exploited. And so by that, I mean, if you're a minimum wage worker and you're working in a restaurant today as an employee, you have certain benefits and rights. I mean, you have, you're entitled to uh, paid sick leave, um, you are part of the unemployment insurance system. Your, your employer withholds payroll taxes, which are remitted to EDD. You have that coverage in case you're laid off. If that employer decided to let you go and then try and hire you back as a, quote, independent contractor, now all you have is your uh, contract agreement with that employer and the wage they agree to pay you, and you don't get any of the other benefits of being an employee. And it's true that there's been a lot of abuse of uh, employee classification laws uh, over the years. Um, I think many feel that AB5 was, a, was an overreach to fix that problem. But nevertheless, AB5 was absolutely seeking to address a legitimate problem in the workplace. Because it was a one-size-fits-all solution, um, it caused the need for a lot of subsequent follow-up legislation which, of course, is what we've been seeing. But I think if you, you, know, if you talk with labor, you talk with Ms. Gonzalez, she would point out that there were a lot of um, laborers in California that were being taken advantage of, classified as independent contractors, when clearly they, they didn't have the ability to work independently, and they were really working as an employee, and they didn't have any of the protections that California provides W-2 employees. So that's really the genesis of it. You know, kind of, you know, when I hear these issues and I think, you know, wouldn't a simple solution be just to come up with some sort of, of threshold, you know, salary or, or, or income? If, if you make above a certain income, you know, then we don't need to worry about this. But if you're making below a certain threshold, then, you know, maybe this is something that, that needs to be concerned. Have you ever heard that talked about or, or, or sought about? Yeah, definitely. So in the summer of 2019, I was representing a company called Great Potential, which runs uh, you know, tutoring services in the state of California and a number of other Western states. And, um, and I was trying to um, get some language inserted into AB5. Ultimately, I was successful. 
uh, on behalf of the of the tutoring industry. And the the first question that came at me from uh, Assemblywoman Gonzalez's office was, you know, what is their average rate of pay? And, you know, and is that a multiple of minimum wage? In the case of the tutors, they were making on average two and a half to three times uh, uh, the California minimum wage. And that is important because as um, as laborers and workers move up the income scale, uh, the types of abuses we're concerned about with employee classification become less of an issue. The folks that are the most vulnerable, the folks that are making minimum wage or maybe a couple of bucks over minimum wage. So, so yeah, I think the I think the the level of pay matters. The other thing is is that is that it's not always tied to education, but it's usually tied to education or training. Like you know, if you if you've gone into an apprenticeship uh, to become a, a plumber or electrician or some other trade, you're developing a special skill. Or if you go the university route and you uh, end up getting a degree in accounting or some other uh, subject that allows you to come to the workforce as a professional, you're going to be earning uh, a multiple way uh, way above minimum wage, and you're just not going to be as vulnerable as the lower wage folks are. So, I think that um, that that's definitely been a big factor and a big motivator in all of this is uh, where do you stand sort of in the socioeconomic ladder of everything. Right. You know, I guess one of the big things we saw last year was the battle between you know the new tech gig companies, Uber. Lyft, uh, the meal delivery services coming in this because, you know, basically, you know, th there's a feeling that a lot of the people who are, you know, working uh, with these companies on the apps are, you know, making less than minimum wage. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's been a real focus. Um, of course, they filed an initiative. It's qualified for this November ballot. Yeah. You know, I guess how, how is that initiative looking? Have you seen polling? And, you know, what specifically does that initiative do to AB5 and kind of some of the things we're talking about? I'm really glad you brought that up. So you're talking about um, Proposition 22. Proposition 22 um, was put on the ballot uh, by Uber and Lyft. And I believe DoorDash put the funding up to collect the signatures and get that proposition qualified. Uh, Uber and Lyft and a number of the different, um, you know, sort of uh, Internet platform based um, transportation delivery services have used almost exclusively um, independent contractors. And that's worked well for them. I'm not so sure it's worked perfectly well for all the people providing that service for the very reason you mentioned, which is in some cases, those folks that are, are doing those gig jobs aren't even making minimum wage. In other cases, they do considerably better. It, it's, there's not a uniform answer to this problem. But at any rate, um, Uber and Lyft negotiated all year long with um, the legislature and the governor to try to get amendments into AB5, this is in 2019, uh, that would allow them to continue to operate their business model here in California. And they're, of course, they're clearly worried about whatever happens in California may spread to other states. So they're really trying to nip this issue in the bud here in California. But at the end of the day, they were unsuccessful uh, in getting the amendments that they wanted into AB5. AB5 passed. This year, the, the governor uh, put, I believe, $22 million and a couple hundred positions more into the EDD budget in order to enforce AB5. And uh, Uber and Lyft have both been sued uh, to uh, compel them to comply with AB5 and make their workers employees. Their response, of course, was to collect signatures and put an initiative on the ballot, again, Prop 22, and what that initiative is going to do is it's going to create it's first of all, that initiative is not going to cover everybody. It's only going to cover um, the the the, the uh, types of workers that are doing 
transportation network services like Uber and Lyft drivers, uh, the types of workers that are working for delivery companies like DoorDash and others. And it's going to create a third classification. It's not, it's not going to make them purely an independent contractor. It's going to relieve them of the, of the obligations of a W-2 employee. It's going to be a hybrid in between where they're going to get some additional benefits uh, that they don't have currently, um, but it's not going to give them everything they'd have if they're going to be an employee. I will tell you, I mean, I think anybody that's watching cable TV or listening to the radio these days know that the campaign on the yes side of Prop 22 is very well funded. I mean, I, I can't, there's not a day that goes by here where I don't see multiple uh, announcements uh, in favor of Prop 22. I'm sure we're going to see more money put into the no side. There's going to be, one thing's for sure, the political consultants in this race are going <laughs> to- They're doing well. They're going to do it really well. But um, so that's what it's about. This is really uh, Uber and Lyft, DoorDash and others attempt to uh, create a classification that's a hybrid between the current W-2 and a 1099 uh, contractor. And of course, if it's successful, if they're successful here in California, um, that's something that we may see spread to other states as well. And so kind of, it, it's interesting they went the initiative route instead of the referendum route. Kind of, why did they seek this kind of slim carve out just for themselves rather than, you know, turning over AB5 altogether? Well, that was a political strategy. Um, so for the listeners that don't know, if uh, what Jarrett just uh, alluded to is had they gone the referendum route, it would have told the entire bill. Had they collected su su sufficient signatures, it would have told the entire bill until the voters could, could vote directly on whether they wanted AB5 to be enacted or not. And so had they gone that route, it would have affected everybody in the state. They chose instead to do a much more narrow carve out within the labor law that would only affect their employees. Uh, and so, again, you know, Prop 22 is not going to affect um, painters, uh, musicians, uh, other folks that are working as independent contractors. It's only going to apply to the folks uh, at Uber, Lyft, and, and some of the other um, delivery companies that fit that, that model. Um, so that was a political calculation they made. And, um, and, and I, I don't know off the top of my head, Jared, who they're, who's running their campaign and, you know, who made that call. But that was a deliberate decision made. They feel like they have a better shot at getting that passed than if they had done a referendum. Okay, interesting. Kind of, I guess, turning back to AB 22, was it 2257? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of looking at some of these exemptions, I see there's like a business to business exemption. Um, so does that mean if, if you're a business, you're incorporated or you're an LLC that you can freely contract with another, you know, corporation or LLC? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of folks have asked about that. You know, AB5, when it was enacted into law, there was there was a lot of um, acrimony expressed towards Assemblywoman Gonzalez. And and sh she, on more than one occasion, said, look, what's the big deal? You can use the business-to-business -business exemption. But um, for anybody that sort of looked closely at how that business-to-business -business exemption was written in AB5, uh, whether it was intentional or unintentional, right. I don't know. But it didn't work for most, for, for most uh, situations. And so she got a lot of pushback that her business to business exemption was an exemption in name only that it didn't really work. So one of the things that AB 2257 did is it rewrote uh, some of the key parts of this business to business exemption uh, to make it more workable for folks. And um, and there's several things that it did along those lines. I mean, 2257, which, again, the governor just signed uh, about 10 days ago, it not only added more folks to the, to the carve out, putting them under Borello. But it also cleaned up some of the more ambiguous language that was in the original AB5 that would have been subject to 
judicial interpretation of folks were sued. Right. You know, kind of you said, you know, a lot's been done on AB5, but you think there's, I guess, a little more work done. I guess kind of what do you see happening in 2021 on this subject and kind of what are you working on right now? Well, I'm sure hoping that uh, for some of the loose ends that are still out there, I'm hoping that Assemblywoman Gonzalez will be receptive to running at least one more bill. I've already got one client um, that uh, has asked, has now hired me to help them with legislation next year. I don't want to get into the specifics of that yet because I think it's premature, but I know that there are others talking with other advocates and other lobbyists. There are, there are still other um, niche companies and niche um, um, uh, industries in California that are still exposed to AB5 and that have a very legitimate reason and need to have independent contractors be part of the mix on how they deliver services. And so, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to talk with Ms. Gonzalez and her staff again when the legislature reconvenes in December uh, on behalf of, of a client that I think is, is going to get her attention because they, pro they provide a very important service in the state. It's, it, it's, it's in the field of medical education. And, um, and, and that's just one example. There are, there are many others, and I'm, I'm sure um, as time goes on this fall, we're going we're gonna to hear about more, uh, probably more niche companies and niche industries that still need relief under this law that maybe didn't completely figure it out until now, or, or maybe they've been audited by the EDD and they thought their model worked and they're, and they're being called to task by the Employment Development Department. So uh, I do anticipate more bills to be introduced next year, but I will tell you, uh, based upon our experience so far, that I think the key legislator in all of this will be Assemblywoman Gonzalez. And I think that uh, her sponsor of AB5, the California Labor Federation, will be a very, very important stakeholder in any decisions that are made to move additional legislation in this area. Uh, I just don't think there's any denying that. Right. Prop 22 may pass, it may not, but I think regardless, we're going to see more um, cleanup, follow-up legislation, AB5. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of kind of ask you to take out your crystal ball and see, you know, does Prop 22 pass or not? Kind of what, what's your feelings on this right now? You know, I could argue that both ways. I think that um, there's a lot of folks that... Uh, are going to be receptive to the messaging they're seeing right now on television and, and other media, social media, that is uh, uh, the proponents or the yes side of Prop 22 is using. They're, they're really, they're really um, emphasizing the fact that there are, you know, that the economy's been hurt by COVID. There are folks out there that are hustling to make extra money working as independent contractors uh, for Uber or Lyft, DoorDash, or some of the others. And um, because of AB5, um, that could all be taken away from them. So I think that argument is going to get some traction. At the same time, I believe that labor and other stakeholders will put a fair amount of money, more money on the no side and basically say, look, these companies are exploiting these individuals. They don't get any of the regular benefits uh, of being an employee. And instead, a lot of those costs are passed back to the taxpayers. And if somebody gets sick, they might have to have right. government-assisted uh, med you know, med uh, medical care rather than having access to a medical plan through their employer, is one example. So um, I, I, I don't know what the odds would be in Vegas, <laughs> on whether it's going to pass or not, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a close election. And um, 
I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tom. If the listeners want to get a hold of you or ask some more questions about your expertise in AB5, how can they get a hold of you? You can uh, find me on the internet. Just go to www.shehestrategygroup.com, S-H-E-E-H-Y, shehestrategygroup.com, or just Google Tom Sheehy. I'll pop right up. And it was a pleasure uh, being with you this afternoon, Jared. Thank you thank so much you. for your interest in this in this, uh, in this this subject. I All think right. it's an important labor issue in California. Definitely. Thanks, Tom. Dreamers.